Made Visible helps people with invisible illnesses feel seen and heard. It provides a platform for people who seem fine but aren't to share their experiences. It also helps to create a new awareness of how we can be sensitive and supportive to those with invisible illnesses. Please note this podcast is intended to provide information and education and is not intended to provide you with a diagnosis or treatment advice. You should consult with a licensed or registered healthcare professional about your individual condition and circumstance. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro, and I'm so glad you tuned in. This week, we have a really unique episode. In May, I moderated a panel discussion at Real Abilities Film Festival in New York City after the screening of The Quiet Epidemic. Real Abilities Film Festival is the largest festival in the United States dedicated to promoting awareness of the lives, stories, and artistic expressions of people with disabilities. We had the co-founder of Real Abilities, Isaac Zablocki, on the show, which was episode 110, and I highly recommend going back and listening to it if you haven't already. The Quiet Epidemic is an incredibly powerful and heartbreaking film about the reality of living with Lyme disease and how much the medical world dismisses and denies this condition. On this episode, we're going to share the conversation with you from the festival with the three panelists. Be sure to listen to the end as I also interview past guest, Allie Hilfiger, who is the executive producer on the film, and we discuss her involvement. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to introduce our host, who will introduce the rest of our panel here. Thank you so much for this important film. Harper Spiro is the host of the Made Visible podcast, among other things, which is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. Harper, want to take the stage? Hello. I've been a fan of Real Abilities for a long time, so I'm very happy to be here. Tonight, I have Enrico Bruzzese, who is the father of Julia, husband, respiratory therapist, and a cardiac diagnostic specialist. Julia Bruzzese is a 19-year-old freshman college student. And Chris Hegedus is the producer of the film and has been directing, shooting, and editing for over 40 years. I'm honored to be here as the host of Made Visible. I've had Isaac on my podcast a few weeks ago, and executive producer Allie Hilfiger was also on my show, and she's a delight. I was hoping she was going to be able to be here tonight, but I'm happy to be here with you. How did the creation of this film come to be? How did you decide to make this and bring it to life? Well, thank you for having us here. We're really honored to be at this festival. Well, the directors, uh, Lindsay and Winslow, apologize for not being here. They're actually in Milwaukee at another film festival. Both of them have chronic Lyme disease and they met at a Lyme literate doctor. Basically, they were both at the same doctor, but didn't know each other and going through chronic Lyme symptoms, suffering a lot. And the nurse said to Lindsay that, you know, people recover faster if they have a passion. And Lindsay said, well, my passion is filmmaking. And the nurse said, well, actually, there's this other guy that was here earlier. He also is a filmmaker. Maybe you want to connect. And they did. And they decided to make this film. I met them about a year or so after after they started filming through some mutual friends. And I also had people in my family that suffered from chronic Lyme and was really interested to help them. They were first time filmmakers and pretty sick at the time and could really use some guidance and help. So that's how we began this process. We filmed for another five years after that. So it's, it's been a long road. 
Wow. And then how did Julia and Enrico get involved? Well, I was being treated at the same clinic as Winslow and Lindsay, and they approached my father. Well, Winslow did, um, asking if we wanted to be a part of the film. And my dad asked me one day, he's like, there's these filmmakers that want to make a film about Lyme disease and they want you to be a part of it. And, you know, at that point, I was newly sick. I was newly in a wheelchair with this new disability. You know, I was kind of embarrassed of everything that was happening to me. I went from a very active member of my community to now, you know, wheelchair bound with a severe illness. I didn't want to really face people. And so when he asked me that, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to expose myself in that way. You know, I took a few days to think about it. (laughs) I kept asking. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, I came to the conclusion that I wasn't the only one going through this. I kind of came to the conclusion, and I think my dad did as well, and the rest of my family. We have to make sure that this doesn't happen to anybody else to the best of our abilities. And this was my way of shining a light on this really, really tremendous issue. And if that meant being in an uncomfortable situation and exposing deeply personal experiences I've had, if it's going to help other people on their journey, that's all that matters. What did you each learn along the way? You know, it was hard to ignore from the very beginning that we got stuck in a mess. We got the wrong disease. And, um, you know, at every turn, I was just really shocked about what I was seeing and what was happening to us. You know, in the film, I, I said at a certain point, I felt like I had to start recording. For me, even though we were both embarrassed, nobody knew Julia was sick in our circle we didn't tell our friends our extended family we were hiding all summer long because they were accusing her of faking it of being crazy but thinking about it and trying to convince julia i said this is a way of recording everything we need to get the word out and what better way to do it with this film and i think it's getting the word out i think we accomplished our goal Well, I always learn so much from making a film. I mean, it's a real privilege to kind of be dropped into the world of somebody else and let them share your life. And I'm really grateful to this whole family. More of them are here tonight and they've supported this film so much. But along the way, I've I've just learned so much about this disease. And, you know, when we show this film, there's usually several people who also have Lyme disease and feel very seen by this story and all the people sharing their stories. Also, I've learned that almost everybody I talk to knows somebody that has chronic Lyme disease, that it's really prevalent and that just so much needs to be done. The tests are so faulty. And, you know, I know that also the treatment is and doctors need to be educated. I mean, there's so much research and information that needs to go on with this disease. Just last fall, two people in my family were diagnosed with Lyme. They got Lyme disease. They went to a doctor, went to one clinic and got the standard three-week regimen of doxycycline. And the other went to a clinic and got one pill, which is kind of based on a faulty graduate student study that kind of traveled around the internet. And doctors started using because nobody wants to overuse 
antibiotics. And I understand that. But at the same time, this disease is life threatening and they'll give you a year's worth of antibiotics for having acne. Things are just really out of scale in terms of treating this disease and and really understanding what it is. So we're really hoping to get the word out to people to pay attention to it and can go on our website, thequietepidemic.com and share your story and find out information about what to do if you get bit by a tick. What I've learned is that, I mean, Dr. Neil Spector asked a very good question. The question isn't why me, but how do you move beyond that? And I guess this was my way of learning how to move beyond it and try to use it for good. And I've been to many screenings so far. And the most satisfying and reassuring part of it for me is to see the people in the audiences who are asking really important questions. They see what we are seeing and what we are experiencing and they're asking questions and they're becoming aware. You know, I think that's the most important part. I was sitting behind you during the whole screening and watching the two of you sort of interacting and looking at each other and just going like, how do you go through this? It's just so complicated and you're so lucky to have each other and to have the dad that you have really. That's very clear, as you said, at your sweet 16. While sitting there, is there anything that you observe new each time? Uh, Yes, definitely. (laughs) They did a really good job of informing people. And there is so much information because this disease has been around for a long time. And so much has happened with the vaccine and the testing. And it, it, it could be very complicated. And I think they put it in a way that was easy to understand given the information. So yeah, every time I've watched it, I kind of learned something new. I think it took me like four times (laughs) to get everything. (laughs) Enrico, in watching this and going through this process and these screenings, have you seen the care for Julia change over the years since you started filming, since this came out? If you mean through mainstream medicine, there is no change. We're dealt with as much indifference as we were in 2015 than we are today. Uh, The key is to see the right doctor. And unfortunately, those doctors don't accept insurance. It's very simple. But they know about Lyme and tick-borne disease. And they also know about other common diseases that mainstream doctors would know about. So you need to go to a doctor if you want the right care who has all the information. If you go to a doctor who doesn't because of insurance company policies, I mean, you're not going to get the right care. So for each of you, I'm curious to hear what is the one takeaway that you want people to have in watching this film? I'd like just to get the film out to the public. We're going to be just releasing it on VOD, on Amazon, on Apple iTunes and some other platforms ourselves. And um, we'd like to take it to medical schools and doctors and universities to show it. And we have a campaign that we're kind of raising money to go out and do that, as well as to go to Congress with it and bring awareness to Congress and get more money from the um, NIH to be put towards research and the money that's been given because they have increased some money recently for Lyme, that it goes to new forward-thinking doctors, as kind of is said in the film, pass this information on. I think that's what's really important is just to get the word out about Lyme disease and chronic Lyme. I'm going to leave the best for last, but I agree with Chris. It's just spreading the word. If you have social media, put it out there. It's just getting as many people as possible to hear this and to be aware and to know the symptoms and knowledge is everything. Yeah, I mean, exactly what they said. It's just about being aware. Ticks don't discriminate. 
So literally anyone can get it. You know, it's in Brooklyn. It's in the city. We know people who've gotten bitten by ticks on the subway. Just be aware of the signs and symptoms. Be aware that the tests aren't reliable. So if you test negative, that doesn't mean you don't have it. Just know the basic misconceptions that were explained in the film. The goal is just to inform. Also, the website, there's a, a way of sending letters to your legislators and politicians. And that's the quietepidemic.com in case anyone didn't get that. One thing to add is if you do get bit by a tick, save the tick. You can send the tick in. There's various labs. You can find them on our website and a few other of the um, Lyme organizations' websites tell a lot of information because the tick will tell you exactly what it has in it. So it's a really good way to know. On the websites, there are other labs which which unfortunately are expensive. Some of them are up to $1,000 for a test. If you're a senior citizen like me, you can get them covered by Medicare. You know, there's some that are cheaper, but they will give you a test that have those bands kept in them. So you'll get more of an accurate test if you're positive or negative for Lyme. Thank you. One other question before I open it up to the audience. So my podcast is Made Visible. It's about invisible illness. You named the, the film The Quiet Epidemic. Where did the name come from? quiet, invisible. It's just this really depressing thing that so many people are living with all these different conditions quietly and invisibly. So I'm curious where the name came from. Mary Beth, you know, who says it at the end that it's a quiet epidemic, that um, people are struggling with it and it's not really known. But I think it's getting more known. I mean, ticks are spreading, you know, because of climate change, because we've moved into their environments. You know, there's a lot of different reasons why we're coming into contact with them. I think a lot of older people here would say, well, you know, I never saw a tick, you know, when I grew up or whatever. You know, that's really true for most of us. But, you know, it's changing now. We have to come to grips with that reality. Thank you. I'm going to open it up for questions. You obviously got some threatening, I would call them threatening calls from the CDC. And I know that the last time I saw you, you said you were going to testify in front of the New York Supreme Court. I would love to know what the reception to the film has been from the medical community. Have you been getting more threatening calls? And also, how did it go at the Supreme Court? So uh, no one, no one's reached out to us about the film or lashed out to us <laughs> about with, the film. Only with positive feedback. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback, which is great. And not in the medical community. <laughs> I know. Nobody from the medical community that we know or deal with. Well, it was screened at my brother's school at NYU. Oh, yes. And, yes. you know, there was doctors there that and were hosting scientists, it. And scientists. Um, mainstream people from NYU. And they were very, I feel like. They came for my yeah. son, Adam, because they knew his sister was in the film. He's also in the film he's sitting right there <laughs> and uh they came for him and they were really riled up by the film and at the end they were angry how can this be allowed to go on you know that sort of thing so thank you julia for reminding me of that i forgot and the supreme court thing was because i was trying to get julia care that can show some benefit but it's out of state it's in louisville kentucky and our insurance company denied us so i i fought and we got three denials and then i had no other options so so I found out I could sue the state of New York with an Article 78, but I couldn't find an attorney who knew what an Article 78 was or one that would be willing to take us on pro bono. So I did it by myself and uh, I won. So now we're going to go to Kentucky. This bacteria, this spirochete, has so many different patents on one bacteria. How is this possible? 
And how is it going to be possible to make any medicines because you have to pay every single company who owns a piece of this bacteria? I mean, I've seen the movie a few times now, and I go back to these facts that you displayed, and I cannot wrap my head around it. How this can continue to cost so much, and what are these new therapies? Thank you for that question. I mean, a lot of it, as you know, it's a for-profit healthcare system, and when you have that system, you know, it falls into all these type of things, and that bacteria is patented by so many people. I mean, you're pointing out what a lot of this is about. It's all about money, <laughs> you know, what that one researcher said. It's what it all comes down to, is that people wanted to profit off the making of a vaccine, and then they still wanted to profit off of it after it wasn't effective in 2000. So we've waited all this time with this faulty test, and they're putting out vaccines. I think there's three that I read that are coming out soon. One of them I know was in trials when we first released this film and Martha's Vineyard last summer happened to be the weekend they arrived there with their testing truck trying to get people to be volunteers to take this test. I heard very little about it. It also supposedly went to the Hamptons and I didn't hear much about it there. So I don't know what's happening with that test. And the other two tests are slightly different kinds. I'm not a biologist, so I can't really comment on them. But yeah, I mean, for-profit healthcare, we end up in things like insurance companies only paying for 10-minute visits. I also just want to point out that even that test that you can get that includes those bands that is expensive is inaccurate. And there's more than one reason why the testing for Lyme is inaccurate. You know, it's an antibody test and it highly depends on a healthy immune system. The bacteria does not like to live in the blood. And there are other reasons. So even spending that money, it's not a reliable test. And that's just something to keep in mind. Well, how would you tell someone to avoid getting Lyme? What would you tell them to do? I would tell people to check their bodies. Of course, these ticks like going places I can no longer reach. So, <laughs> you know, you, you have to really pay attention to the symptoms and the signs. And just, I think knowledge is everything. Body check. And you have to be careful, like know your surroundings, know the areas you're in and Tick repellent. You could also treat your clothes with there's certain repellents that are sold for your clothes because a lot of people don't even realize they were bitten. They don't develop a bullseye rash at all. And that's why they get so sick because they don't know they have it and it festers for years until they're fully disabled. So I think just be aware of the signs and symptoms of the disease clinically. And if you see that you are getting symptoms and there was a chance you could have been bitten, you get treated as fast as possible. I feel bad how little I knew about this for Julia. It's very heartbreaking to just see at such a young age, you know, you're dealing with doctors not believing you. You know, you talk about just how bad you felt when your father left his job, wasn't making money, like just this whole disability is evolving. Can, can you talk just about how, what was it that kind of kept you going and fighting and not get into that, you, you know, really like deep depression for all of these factors here at such a young age there? Thank you for your question. I had people there to kind of advocate for me. My family, definitely. You know, it was still very hard. There were times where, you know, it felt very easy to give up and lose hope. But no, it was definitely my family that really carried me through it. I think back to that time and like when I watched the movie, 
the things that were done in those hospitals, you know, I was a child, that could have been so damaging to me. It has damaged my trust in our medical society. And just to be accused of those things, you know, it is damaging, but it could have really gone down such a, a, a hard road, a, such a dangerous road if I didn't have my family, because I know people who have been down that road, who have been put in mental institutions. Allie Hilfiger was one of them. I thank God every day that I had my family. And years ago, I couldn't imagine trying to live a normal life. And now I'm in my first year of college. I'm just finishing up. So thank you. But I, I wouldn't have been able to get here without the support of my family. Folks, we're out of time, but I want to thank you all for being a part of this. Thank you so much for moderating this beautiful conversation and for joining us for this important film. It's really a film that hopefully you'll spread the word about. Thank you all so much. Now that you've heard my conversation live from Real Abilities in New York City, here's my conversation with executive producer Allie Hilfiger. You can hear her whole story related to Lyme disease on episode 33 of this show. I highly recommend going back and giving it a listen. Now, here's Allie. Allie, it's so nice to see your face, and I'm so happy to have you back on Made Visible. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, Harper. It's so nice to see you again. Always. So as you know, I moderated the panel about the quiet epidemic at Real Abilities back in April, and we missed Thank you there. So I figured, why not get your two cents about the film? How and why did you get involved as executive producer? I was connected with Lindsay Keys through a mutual friend of ours, Simon Hammerstein. Gosh, I want to say about seven years ago. I met with Lindsay and immediately our energies totally aligned and I really understood what she was going for and, and what she was exploring was really fascinating to me and she was just very genuine and authentic and I was excited about the path that she was choosing toward telling the story about Lyme disease in a little bit more of a science-based way and factual but also following a story I thought that was really important to keep people engaged. So I, I wanted to come on board right away and I started helping connect her with other people to bring in money, et cetera. And the film has been through so many iterations. So much footage was taken. And, you know, poor, poor Lindsay and her co-director Winslow were both really sick with Lyme disease as well. And that's how they met in the doctor's office. I had so much compassion for them being so dedicated to making this film. Making a film, even as a healthy person, is really difficult. So the fact that they were able to pull it off while having bouts of Lyme relapses, so I just kept being like, just take care of yourselves as much as you can. I felt like very maternal, <laughs> wanting to say, don't let it stress you out too much. And, and every, every film has sort of like its own energy around it. I, I always think it has like a guardian angel with every film. And it either reaches the point where it needs to be or people get stuck and they give up and they did not give up. And I'm really, really impressed with that. It was a really difficult story to tell, especially with Julia and her family and the doctors. I mean, it's real, real stuff. So I was just really proud to be a part of it and help them out. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point about the combination of science and storytelling, because I think so often you can get one or the other. And as a viewer who didn't know so much about Lyme, aside from obviously hearing your story and others on the podcast, it was such a good combination of really learning the data, the stats, the scientific research behind it or lack thereof, and then follow this girl's story and see all the challenges. It's so clear that there was determination in that family to get answers 
And also, as you're saying, determination to make this film, even with everyone going through their own experiences with Lyme. Exactly. One of the goals, and we talked about this a lot while making the film, is to make sure that, you know, there's a lot of legitimate information, legitimate people delivering the information in a very absorbable way. There are people out there who might spew off information that's not really research or factual and, and doesn't have a strong backbone and can come off as a bit wacky. There is an assumption sometimes that all these wacky Lyme disease people and, and there's this stigma around it. And that really upsets me as a very legitimate, science-based, serious person, so to speak. I really was very hellbent on the information being delivered in a very, very serious way that everyone could accept. Yeah, I think that's really important. What is the message that you want people to take away from this film? The message I want to be taken away is the power of self-advocacy and not taking no for an answer when you know in your heart that there's something else wrong. Sometimes you just cannot believe doctors. They are humans also. They're human beings that may or may not have the correct information. And there is also so much inaccuracy in terms of the blood testing. So I think that there is an element of, again, determination within the patient and the families. And I think that was a huge takeaway. And also the, that Lyme disease is, is everywhere now and that it has so many different symptoms that could be very easily ignored. And so just, it's, it's sort of like an eye-opener. My, my goal was for it to open up people's eyes and to educate. And for me, that was the point of my book also, is to educate. And mine was educating through storytelling and weaving in science-based facts, et cetera, but really, really educating people who knew nothing about Lyme disease and keeping them engaged at the same time. Because it can get you know dark or maybe even a little bit boring to people. But if you can keep them engaged and have them really able to understand what Lyme disease is and why it is so serious and why we really need to be paying attention and why we need to really be standing up and fighting and advocating for ourselves and others who are suffering. And I really do believe that once you've overcome or gotten to a place of remission with Lyme disease, it is so important for us to reach out and help others who are suffering as well. How can people who do not have Lyme disease be supportive of those living with Lyme disease? How can they advocate for them? I think a lot of it has to do with compassion. There's a compassion element that helps Lyme patients because there's a point when you're sick where you just, sometimes you just need to be validated. Because, I mean, in my experience, I just thought, oh, my gosh, am I, like, totally blowing this out of proportion? I mean, am I going crazy? Is this just ridiculous? I'm tired of myself. And to have the emotional support of the validation and the compassion is really key. And saying, just don't give up. 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 Keep asking questions. Keep pushing the doctors. Keep pushing the medical community. This disease is so persistent. And it can sneak up again on you and sneak up again and attack you, attack you. And it gets really exhausting. Again, the emotional support from family and friends is so important to say, you know, this is a real thing. You're going to get through it. Keep going. Maybe we should find another doctor or, or stay on the protocol you're on. I mean, I think it's really difficult for people to stay consistently on one protocol and finish it through because halfway through, you're just like, oh my God, I still don't feel better. It's like, don't give up yet. Just keep going. And you need that cheer 
cheerleading. You need that support. Um, so that, that to me is the, the most helpful thing. Yeah. And I also think that's really relevant in general to people with invisible illnesses and having friends and family members and people that love them to provide that level of support. Did you learn anything new about Lyme disease and the diagnosis from the film? I did. I learned more about the reasons why the vaccine took away the titers and why the testing is so inaccurate. I understood that, but it was explained in such a visually strong way that I understood why they were missing those levels. And, and, and I had the same exact experience when I was tested, I mean, a few times when I was young, very, very young, when I was first bitten. And also, again, when I was 13, and I remember the doctors saying, well, it might be MS, but you almost have Lyme disease, but, there, but it's not quite there. And I knew that there was something up with that. So I, it was really clear to me because of the history of the vaccine, which I didn't do a lot of personal research on the, the original, original Lyme vaccine and, and how it affected the testing today. So that, that was really interesting. It seems silly that I wrote a whole book and, and didn't quite grasp that fully, but I'm a visual person. What can I tell you? I needed to see it visually explained in this way. And I think the film did such a beautiful job and really clearly getting people to understand just, it was just as simple as that. I feel like I knew a level of information and then watching it, I'm also a visual person and seeing it in front of my eyes and just going like, how is this just disregarded in such a major way? It's so sad and you don't hear about any other condition that's treated this way to this extreme. I know. There's so much of the medical community that just turns a blind eye or denies, denies the symptoms. Oh, no, you're just making that up. You just have to go on antidepressants. You just have to start exercising. You're trying to get attention or whatever crazy thing it is. It's like, this is insane. And there's so many people that are so sick, all saying the same thing. I mean, come on, they're they're not teaching this correctly in medical school, which is just so infuriating to me. And, And that's something that I would love to change is the way that Lyme disease is really pushed through the educational system in the medical community. I think that's key because if one nurse has gotten a proper education in Lyme disease in the office, she can kind of start to recognize. And that's what happened to me, really, when I was in the hospital and the psychologist or psychiatrist thought, gosh, she's got all these symptoms. They all point to Lyme. And because she was familiar with the disease and she knew. So education within the medical community, I think, is probably the most important thing that could happen right now. And it's also such a reminder that it could take one person to get you a diagnosis and get you the treatment. I mean, I think about my own story, which is that I spent 10 years looking for answers and it took one immunologist to do one test and go, hey, you have this immune deficiency, but all these other doctors didn't. So really, if there's more education and more knowledge around this condition, more people can diagnose it more easily. And also the the testing just needs to change full stop. There just needs to be new tests. I mean, if, if now, if I got bitten by a tick right now, I would not know really like what to do, where to go. I mean, I have to order an Igenex test and pay thousands of dollars to get the test and get a doctor to approve the test. I mean, you have to jump through hoops to get an accurate test and pay so much money and and the amount of money that needs to be spent to get cured. It it, it makes me so angry. Given that information, I appreciate all that you do for the Lyme community and invisible illness community as well and continue fighting the good fight and hopefully more people will be seen and supported in the Lyme community because of this film and your book and all the work that you do. So thank you. Thank you, Harper. I I wish I could do more. 
I'm so grateful that this film is here and I'm so grateful for your podcast and thank you for watching and listening and everybody out there. I really, really appreciate it. I hope after listening to these two interviews, you'll check out The Quiet Epidemic. It's now streaming on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and Vimeo On Demand. It's a great way to educate yourself on Lyme disease and learn how to be a better advocate for those living with this very challenging disease. More information about the film is available at thequietepidemic.com. I also encourage you to check out Real Abilities and see how you can attend and get involved in future screenings. Their website is realabilities.org. Also, check out episode 33 of the podcast, which was Allie Hilfiger's original episode, and you can pop over to Instagram and watch the replay of our Instagram Live from earlier this year, where she gave updates on her life and her health. That's Made Visible Stories on Instagram. And finally, we're going to take a little summer break from the show. We'll be back in the fall with all new episodes. If there are topics or stories that you want us to share about, please email hello at madevisiblestories.com or DM us on Instagram at madevisiblestories. This is a great time for you to go back, listen to previous episodes, and share them with friends and family. Have a great summer, and thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Your support means the world to us. Visit madevisiblestories.com to check out our writing workshops, corporate offerings, and more information that can help you in navigating life with an invisible illness. Follow Made Visible Stories on Instagram. See you next week.